Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deaker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, we've been working this season off of inquiries from teachers. So I understand you have something new for us today. Yeah. So this one came through an email, so we can't play their voice, uh, but it's a really great question. And, and it, it, I'll read it to you. It says, dear practical access, uh, we are curious what we should be doing with this constant shift in co-teaching not the shift in co-teaching as I read it, this constant shift in co-teaching from moving from being in a online brick and mortar hybrid, and now all the kids are coming back all day, every day. How do we schedule? And that was underlined in bold, by the way. How do we schedule the co-teacher in these changing models to be effective and we don't all lose our minds? Thank you for your advice. So there you go. I'll throw it to you first, losing their minds. That sounds very, very pandemic worthy in my opinion. It does, that sounds familiar. Um, So Lisa, you and I talk about this a lot and we presented on it a lot and we've written about it. I always have to go to my my two fallbacks, which is to think differently about about what co-teaching looks like planning wise. And instead of thinking about planning around class periods, et cetera, I think we have to go back to planning around tasks and time. So I'll give you one example now, and I know you have lots of ideas on this. So if I know that you and I are collaborating for um, language arts, so in the absence of knowing exactly what time or where language arts takes place right now, we could plan around a specific language arts task. I could say, Lisa, I have a great uh, reading comprehension strategy that I can do a mini lesson for 15 minutes. So where does that fit in your day? So that you know I'm coming with that 15 minutes of strong instruction as your co-teacher, and we can plan around that one chunk. Now, if we have obviously a class period together, I'm still planning around specific tasks during that time. So I'll do 15 minutes of a mini lesson. I can do 15 minutes of data collection. So we can talk about who we want me to observe, gen ed, special ed, uh, academic behavior, you know, and then 15 minutes of coaching with kids. So I can meet with them either in a breakout room if we're online, or I can meet with them in a section of our face-to-face room if we're face-to-face. But but if if we can start thinking about how we plan our time in, in chunks and specific tasks, I think that's workable across across delivery models. Yeah. I, and I love what you just said is, you know, I can come in and watch across general ed and special ed. And, you know, I'm surprised the myth is still out there. You know, it changed. I believe it was in 97 that said special ed teachers can really work with anybody. However, their primary job has to be kids with disabilities. So I think when we start taking the labels off the kids and the labels off the teachers, it does give us a little bit more freedom that, yeah, my my first and foremost is in your room if you're the general ed teacher as the special ed person and I'm supposed to deliver to those IEPs. That doesn't mean you can't deliver. You deliver to kids' IEPs all day when I'm not there. So what's magical when I show up? And I think that's, it's a mind shift too, but I think this going from, you know, I know we've had friends that have been like, we were brick and mortar, the pandemic hit, they went online, then the kids came back and then they came back in the morning and then they came in the afternoon and then they're here Monday, Tuesday, but not on Wednesdays. So I think you and I both agree that whatever it looked like, wherever it was before chaos happened, try to keep it consistent for kids' sakes. 
I think that's the, uh, the other thing is like, you know, if all of a sudden I come in your room five days a week and you only have 30 minutes with me twice a week before it's like, Whoa, wait, what happened? And I think the biggest thing for teams to think about as they start to reschedule is if you are offline in the afternoons or you were off brick and mortar, you were more online learning or on Wednesdays, try to make that a part of your classroom just because you came back face to face. And I like to say now when you're online, think of yourself like a PE teacher and be coaching kids. So I see, you know, Zach over there on the computer and he's missed the last six, you know, questions on some dog. I'm like, Zach, back here with me, dude, let's have a mini lesson instead of just letting you continue because that's hard when they're in, in their home, but now that they're back in the classroom, you could be monitoring computer screens and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You three come over here for a mini intervention. And I think sometimes we think things have to be so planned, but I know you and I both believe great co-teaching is improv. And right now, boy, there's been some improvisation happening. And so that's one thing I have a couple other ideas, but I wanted to hear what you thought about like kind of that flexibility, but consistency in what we're doing. Well, I think that's, that's my motto in general. <laughs> so that fits along the lines of what I always try to encourage teachers to do. And what I try to practice myself when I'm collaborating with other people and collaboration has to be the heart of our co-teach partnership. So I would really encourage everyone to think about this as an opportunity, really, to sit down and think about what what does collaboration mean for us? Does it mean we're supposed to be doing the same thing? Or does it mean we sit down and say, okay, we've all gone through this experience. Now let's look at what the most valuable things that I brought during this time were. Like, what was the biggest value add for me, whether I'm the gen ed teacher or the special ed teacher? Because even that coaching piece that you're mentioning and and this idea of conferencing that we have an opportunity to do now in in different environments, we keep thinking that it has to be the gen ed teacher who's doing one of these things and the special ed teacher doing the other. But to your point about uh, special ed teachers are allowed to work with kids of all abilities in the classroom. And in principle, If I'm the special ed teacher and I'm leading a mini lesson that's whole group for the whole class and you're the gen ed teacher and you're conferencing with individual kids, that is giving kids with disabilities access to to content specialists. So it does fit within, you know, the intent of co-teaching in the first place. So as you said, getting rid of this idea of roles and thinking about real collaboration, dissecting what we already do well. I wish all of us had a chance to just sit down and say, no, here's what I'm really good at, Lisa. So let me bring this to our partnership now. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, we always, your, your phrase is, what's your A game? You know, what are you, what are you right. doing as well? And, and I think that's a, a great place to start. Well, I'm going to go a little more type A. I know that shocks you um, <laughs> into maybe something a little more structured too to think about. But I'm really big on just imagine in front of you right now are, you know, four buckets and placing your kids in those buckets. Do they need resource? Do they need self-contained? You know, why are we doing self-contained? Why would we do, I know one place is talking about doing self-contained within the room. I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do, as you said, mini lessons for anybody based on needs? And as a parent of a kid with a disability, I don't like the thought of my kid has an IEP. I get, you get pulled with Becky. My kid doesn't have an IEP. You get pulled with Lisa. I mean, that's not what we're looking for, but think about these four buckets, one self-contained, one's resource, one's co-taught, and one's really novel bucket, K-12 
kid doesn't need anything. I just want to keep reminding our colleagues that just because a kid has an IEP doesn't mean they need a para for our parents. Sometimes less is more. I know it's really hard when your kid struggles. You're like, oh, but if I give them, you know, more medication, more oxygen, you know, at some point it doesn't help because I become so dependent upon those things instead of being able to do it myself. And so I'm really big on, on that bucket being one that we try to fill up as much as we can, no support. And if you think about your students in those four buckets, then you start to say, well, am I co-teaching because it has academic needs or behavior needs? Those are very different approaches. Uh, if there's behavior needs, you need me for a totally different reason if it's really strategic academics. But once we have that bucket of co-teaching, what I find most people forget to do is to say, well, can that bucket serve more than one room at the same time? So if two third grade teachers both have kids in that bucket, yeah, right now with social distancing, we can't move kids over, but novel concept, I could be on Zoom and one third grade group could also join me with a third grade group sitting in front of me. We have right. the technology. And I think as we move back and forth into environments, whatever we were doing before. So if I was meeting with this third grade group for 30 minutes and this third grade group for 30 minutes, now can I meet with one group for 60 minutes, but invite the others to join me for 60 minutes. And I think it's that kind of thinking, but I think until we think better about where we best serve kids with the least amount of support, I don't think we're going to move forward as fast as if we keep layering more and more support on students because co-teaching is not even the model some kids need. They need less. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. And again, let's just get if we could get away from thinking of it as, you know, co-teaching as a specific thing versus just sheer collaboration and rethinking all of our partnerships. I'll give you my closing thought for a specific example now and the type of direction I would be thinking in specifically because it can be done either remotely or face-to-face. Teachers at all levels who have the luxury of a collaborating partner, you know, whether it's a formal co-teacher or in some states where it's support facilitation or some type of other support, if you plan around time, if I know, Lisa, that you teach reading from nine to 10, if you're in elementary, then we could plan for reading stations. I can run a reading station, you can run a reading station, and we can have an independent reading station. And so I can plan for my own reading station if I know what standard we're looking for. We can group kids in whichever way works best for us, but kids can rotate through these reading stations with us It doesn't call for you and I to have to sit down together and plan everything out together. I'm a certified teacher. I can plan a station, but it gives kids that chance to hear, you know, from from each of us and for us to isolate and plan for really, really strong chunks of content and to make sure that all kids are, are getting it because we have that lower student teacher ratio when we work in stations. And even though I just gave that elementary example, I wish that my secondary um, colleagues would, would make sure they understand the potential of station teaching, where you can really have more rich discussions and more in-depth opportunities, you know, to, to work with kids. So three stations, each of us running one station and an independent station, if your class is the type that can handle independent work for 15 minutes. And if they're, if they're not, then it's just two stations, but it still gives us each 
an opportunity to plan for and craft a really strong lesson and to keep an eye on individual kids who need support in a way that we can weave it into our instruction by reducing the student-teacher ratio. Yeah, and I'll end with my last statement of less is more and reminding you, and again, to my parents, this is not saying I don't want your kids to get their services, but I don't know why we do four times 90, five times 90. You know, to me, we should be putting on the IP the minimum that a kid needs and we can always over deliver. But I think sometimes we over commit and then we make it so that we're really not helping that kid. We're really making that kid dependent. And so I do think, you know, I often say to teams, look, general ed teacher, assume that their special teacher will never be with you on Wednesday because they're going to be pulled up for testing especially at the elementary level where all second and third graders magically need to be tested all of a sudden. And so if you just assume I'm coming in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you have a different mindset about my approach and what you're doing on Wednesday, because you know, it's unlikely if I come in, it's like, yay, I can always do improv and do something. But I do think it's that lesson more is mentality, because again, I think we should always commit to over deliver instead of commit to more than we really can deliver. And I think that's, that's my last statement. Go ahead. Well, I did, while you were saying that, it did remind me that probably during this pandemic, the thing uh, that, that I saw personally, because I had some undergraduates doing this, we did almost what I would say is a help desk in a classroom because my students couldn't go out into classrooms. And this is a good model for collaborating teachers as well. So literally we made sure there was somebody logged in And teachers could send their students because they were teaching face-to-face and online. They could send their online or their face-to-face students back to the computer to our little help desk. And I had a student on there. If a student needed a test read out loud, that teacher said, just go back to the UCF help desk. Well, we called it the learning lab. Go back to the learning lab. And it was literally just one of my students via Zoom. Whatever the students showed up and needed, that's that's what we attempted to give them. So if it was oh, you need help with that assignment, that that teacher's already trying to run two different classrooms. She can't always customize and individualize. So there's unlimited opportunities to think of how we offer support now that we have technology in place that has shown us it can be done. So I encourage everybody to be creative, you know, even in how we think about support. It doesn't have to be just for kids with IEPs. We can support all kids in new ways. I love it. So creative and less and more and less is more is kind of a summary right. from this session. So again, if you have um, questions, please send them uh, to at access practical or feel free to leave us a voicemail at 407-900-9305. Thanks.